Expedition 6. The Source. Journal Entry. Once in the far north of Kruger National Park's Pafuri area, I found a clear pool of spring water rising out of the earth. The pool was surrounded by three huge ebony trees, and as I arrived, a giant eagle owl flew out from under the deeply shaded branches. The presence of the owl added some intangible sense of spirit to the place. The water was crystal clear and bubbling happily out of the earth. As I knelt to put my lips to the water, I felt like I was being let into some great secret. My body took on the shape of an animal drinking, lips to the water, and an archetypal connection, millions of years old, ran like a current through me. I, like the wild animals of that wild place, was drinking from the secret source. I think to know wild water in these times is the kind of thing we have forgotten to even know we want. The way it runs into you, full of the codes of the minerals and plants of that place. Wild water is full of information that attunes your body with its energy. Unbottled, untreated, having never known a pipe or a cistern, wild water is full of spirit. In this episode, I'm going to talk in a very shamanic way about how to get to know a river. I'm going to talk from inside the mythological as a way to share how I'm making meaning with the world around me. I might start the story like this. Once upon a time, a man lived in a tree by a river. Far off to the west, he could see the high mountains in which that river rose. The man longed to know the spirit of the river, for it gave so much life on its journey. He knew that he must go to those mountains to know from where the water of that river was born. Only then could he truly know the river. This was running through my head as the pickup swung through the foothills and climbed the escarpment. As the crow flies, the mountains are only 90 kilometers from where I had lived in the tree, but by car, it's a circuitous 180-kilometer winding drive that took you from 300 meters in the lowlands up to about 1,600 meters on the edge of South Africa's high plateau. In historical times, there had been a natural flow of, of the native people who lived away from malaria on the highlands and descended the escarpment via hundreds of footpaths to hunt in the lowlands when the winter came. My destination was my friend's bungalow, a beautiful mountain cabin with no lights and streams full of trout that flowed past it. The landscape around the house was a rugged kind of African Scottish highland, high ridge terrain with deep vegetative gourds, forests, unusual birds, large elant antelope and mountain reedbuck, and a silence a silence in which a leopard that was never seen slipped past. That first night in the bungalow, the man did not sleep. He was between this world and the next. All night, he tossed and turned in the darkness and dreamed that the mountains had a message for him. 
Eventually I rose well before dawn, drank a cup of coffee, and set off with my friend through the freezing dark for the highest peak. Mount Anderson is the watershed from which all of the rivers that run east to the Kruger National Park flow. Through a trailless darkness, we walked for the summit, the stars giving way to a crisp dawn. We were fit, and we walked fast, the cold air burning our lungs, learning the mountain in some intrinsic way you can only achieve by being on it. The summit at dawn was icy, with a whipping wind and a thick fog, so that one could not see how the land fell to the east, calling to the water. But up there on the peak, I left an imprint of my body, so I could always suddenly be back there. So I could always send a greeting upstream to the mountain from my home in the lowlands. What I could now say is that I had been to where the rivers rise, the source. The source, but not the source of the source. Water is too free for that, and one can never really say where water begins or ends. And in that way, if you know water somewhere, you know water everywhere. The man came down from that communion with the high peak on stiff legs and found a cold mountain pool to swim in. The water was freezing with aliveness, and he drank and drank, saturating himself, baptizing his body in that kind of wild mountain purity. I tell you these things in these ways as a remedy. I don't mean to be flowery or poetic. But in my time with native people, I started to think of the relationship with all things as an exchange of an unseen aliveness, a connected story, like the story of all water, a story in which you weave yourself into the web of other currents of life. You become a part of a river, a mountain, a friend to all things. You can interact with the experience on li of living on so many levels, and for me, there is always a story within the story. And this is the way of meaning-making. Meaning-making is the way we make the story of our life. What a wonderful idea. The idea that you can make the story of your life. I could tell you that on the night of the day we summited, we drove up a steep hill with a bag full of beers to watch the sunset. The light cut the cold mountain air in clear, blazing, holy gold. I looked to the peak of the mountain now as a place I knew and that knew me. A place where the river begins. A source of life and a personal relationship. The remedy for this strange time is to remember the story of the great relationship. We have to be soft enough and wild enough to tell it. To remember how to be friends with the earth in personal ways. Personal. Personal relationships with rivers and mountains and trees. Till it's normal again to be married to a volcano. To be related to a bear. And for a leopard to come to you to remind you that there is magic. 
Leaving that hillside at dusk, the man saw a flash of eyes in the headlights. Then, as if materializing slowly into form, into the half-light, the shape of a leopard. A huge male, with a thick neck, sunk low to the ground and stepped off the road, but did not run. For a time, they all watched each other, and the man knew that this was the keeper of the catchment, the guardian of the river, this most secretive of cats. And forever on, when he looked west from his home beside the river, he would know the source, the mountain, the cold pool, and think of the silence in which up in those mountains a leopard moved. 4-0. Out. This has been another episode of the Track Your Life podcast with Boyd Varty. Follow us on Instagram at Boyd underscore Varty, Twitter at Boyd Varty, visit Boyd's website at boydvarty.com or subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. Please rate and review this podcast so that more people can find and enjoy it.